0: This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey friends, welcome to the Acting Up with Allie Goodman Podcast, a backstage pass to the life of a working actor and mom raising a kid with special needs this week was wild, mostly over the weekend. We attended a couple of different events and I really am excited to talk about them because I think they will be beneficial for families and people in the future and also, you know, talking about inclusion and all that awareness and all that kind of fun stuff. So I'm super excited to talk about that coming up. And I also want to just sort of (laughs) give a heads up. This episode is – definitely going to be diving into some of my opinions about some stuff and if you know I I always say that I am not a medical professional I am merely a mom who was thrust into this world of special needs thrust into this world of learning who my kid is and the best way to help him and basically tons of trial and error to get me there and I want to make sure that it's clear that while I walk you through my experience, that I'm never giving medical advice or, you know, any, you know, letters after my name type of advice this is purely coming from me and my experience and what I've researched and learned over the time so that being said my little disclaimer let's go back and let's talk a little bit about this past weekend and what happened so in Chicago there's the Chicago Children's Museum and it's it's located at Navy Pier And it's super fun, interactive, great museum just in general. Uh, It's one we don't get down to very often because it's all the way into the city and parking is, you know, a little cost prohibitive and difficult and all that kind of stuff. But this particular day, they had their Play for All series, which essentially means that they open the doors an hour early and allow the first 250 people that registered get to come in free. And it's specifically opening the doors to make it a smaller group for people who possibly might have sensory issues or feel overwhelmed by, you know, huge large crowds and all that kind of stuff. You get in right at nine o'clock and you go in and you get basically get the run of the museum and, you know, the interactive stuff to play with early. And so there's not a lot of people there. It's typically hosted or you, there's vendors there, I guess you would say, of different sensory and autistic and special needs groups. I ended up speaking with one of them, Aspire, in Chicago, Aspire Kids. They have a whole group of things. But what I really liked about what they said is their particular group really focuses on as going throughout the kids as they grow. So it starts off that they work with them as children and it's not just autism. I believe they work with all special needs and they work with them all the way through to employment. And I really liked that, that they take that focus and they really are engaged in following you through. It's not just like, oh, it's just for one of your kids and, you know, we can do this or get you through school or just that they literally take you all the way through and then they're different avenues of their charity organization goes through that so I thought that was pretty cool Um, so I enjoy talking with Josie hey (laughs) on that uh, at the event there what was also really great was they still have all staff on hands on deck so in Jackson's case he went to there's like a little like a it's almost like a pirate ship looking thing where you climb up this rope Uh, it's sort of like an enclosed area to climb up and he there's two sections there's the bigger section which is at the bottom and then there's the smaller section at the top and you can just jump in at the top and he did that a couple of times and then really wanted to start from the bottom the bottom has a a larger gap between where the footholds are and it was really scary for him and so as he was climbing he got almost to the to be able to cross through the floor to the next back to where he had been originally and he couldn't do it he just got too scared but there was a staff member that kept climbing on the outside to kind of help him and she kept talking to him and giving him you know pointers and I was there too of course but it it was nice to know that they still you know they were engaged and they were there and even though they're not technically trained it was nice that they were seemingly engaged and willing to do that uh the only the only downside about the whole event was we had to pay for parking which was slightly cost prohibitive but was free because we got in in the 250 and of, of registrants and i and I think it's just so cool that you get to be in there early. So even though that was sort of a bummer, it wasn't enough of a bummer to, to deter me from going another time. Because again, you get so much of a benefit being there. And again, like I really wish I would have had time to go talk to some of the other vendors that were there and learn a little bit more about them. So maybe the next time we go – I will do that which brings me to my next point which is they have two more dates coming up this year that they have on their calendar that I've seen and that's Saturday May 11th and Saturday June 5th and you can find out more about them if you go to Chicago Children's Museum. Uh, if you even go there and then maybe even type in play for all, any of those things, inclusion, autism, any of those words will pop up and it'll give you the parameters of what you can do. Uh, I know they have a Facebook page and I know that they, you know, you know obviously have a website and so that's how I would I would contact them or to find out the information and to sign up because it was super cool and if we are available, we're going to go again for sure. So the next thing – so that happened on Saturday and then on Sunday when it was snowing like crazy here in Chicago, who knew that that was going to happen? That was nutso. We went and did uh, the Great Therapy Play Date is what they called it and basically it's through City of Support and City is uh, an acronym for Children in Therapy and You which was created by a woman Beth who – wanted to – she was an EI therapist and she wanted to make sure that she uh, had a place for her clients. You know, they all signed off and said, yes, we want a a group that we can all get to know each other because the the deal with the special needs community is it's very – we're all in it together, but we're all super isolated because we all have different experiences. As you've heard me say before, you have one kid with autism. You've met one kid with autism because they're all different and their gaps are different and where they have leaps and, you know – strengths and their, you know, their weaknesses or whatever it is are all different. So you feel very isolated because you really do feel like you're you're struggling with this issue now and maybe somebody struggled with it too, but they, you're struggling with it when your kid is six and they struggled it when, they, when their kid was three and then you feel like you don't have much in common. And or who has time to go out? You know what I mean? Most people have a hard time finding someone to, to watch their kid, especially their special needs kids, because it's cost prohibitive. It, it, lots of times, if you, if you have somebody who's babysitting, I know for us, and I'll, I'll just give you my personal experience, Jackson is great. But as far as bedtime, I can't have just one person. do It's very hard when I have to do bedtime alone when Jordan's around as well. If it was just Jackson, it's fine. If it's just Jordan, it's fine. But the two of them together, it's very hard. John and I divide and conquer and that's how we handle bedtime. And Jackson has the most amazing babysitter. Shout out to Megan. However, I even told her, I said, I wouldn't leave you here to try to put both kids to bed. You know, you'd need another set of hands just because somebody's got to be holding the baby or putting the baby down at the same time. You know, there's so many different factors. And I i mean, it's one of those things where I, unless you're in it, you don't understand. You know, most people are like, "Well, your kids will learn how to deal with it." And it's like, mm "Hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Come, come visit for a little while, and then we'll we'll have that conversation again. We'll we'll revisit it again." So, but going back to city of support. So she created this group because she on Facebook, and it grew and grew and grew, and families were craving out like outings and things that they could do with their kids with their kids both kids all kids kids with special needs and and their neurotypical kids they could bring them do things with them and it would also foster a community for the parents which hello this is so much of what I'm doing with this podcast and everything that I want to bring around is to help other families know they're not alone and that there's other people out there that have been through it and we can get through this together. So I love, I love what City of Support is doing. And they got their not-for-profit status recently. So I highly recommend that you go to cityofsupport.org and go check them out and sign up for any of their things. Like I know they have a coffee date thing coming up soon where uh, it used to be just the parents going out, but now they actually offer that you can bring your kids and then they can play and you can talk with the other parents, which is, hello, amazing and so necessary. So I love this. I love them. I think it's great. And uh, I'm hoping to get more information about them and I can share that with you. But definitely go to their Facebook page. Go to their website. Go support them. I think they're great. Um, But anyway, so we went to that therapy play date and I thought that was super important because... One, it was at the place that Jackson does his PT. So that's actually how I first heard about it was through uh, Carrie Singer who runs Jackson's Uh, PT she's the owner and she runs it and she was saying hey we're doing this great therapy play date you should come and so Jordan and Jackson and I signed up and there we were braving the snow on a Sunday (laughs) to get there which was actually great so we went it was an hour it was perfect they got to play Jackson knew the whole area because he goes and does PT and speech and OT there and it was just perfect so thank you Carrie for hosting that was up in Vernon Hills at CSS pediatric and wellness uh, therapy and shout out to you because that was great. And it was really fun to like see all the people that we kind of know there, which was kind of neat. So a couple kids came out and it was fun and I it actually brings me into what this particular episode of this podcast is going to be about. So before I get there, I want to just give a heads up one of the ways that I'm starting to consider Evolving this podcast because I love sharing our story and my story with Jackson and my sto- my own personal stuff and I don't ever plan on ending that. I think that's where this started. The connection that you make with another parent is – vital when you're in this position like you want to hear their story and you want to know that what they've been through or what they're currently going through or what they how they navigated this or how they even overcame it even if it doesn't look like your story it feels similar enough that you feel like you've got someone's got your back and somebody's walking sort of hand in hand with you through this so that's not going away at all however i also want to evolve it because as i've been interviewing other people and having people come on as guests and things like that i'm beginning to realize that i can deepen and broaden this experience for all of you so it's one thing for me to be like here's what we did and here's our experience but it's another thing for me to bring in somebody who either a works one of those experts that i'm not you know and talks a really very deeply and specifically about a certain topic having to do with it. Like I would bring in our PT and have her discuss what it's like to work in pediatric, you know, special needs kids and what the differences are and all that kind of stuff. So that, you know, maybe there are more people that can recognize themselves in some of these situations and you get to learn a little bit. I knew nothing about all of these therapies when I first started. And if you're scrolling through my podcast and you see, oh – you know, I'm bringing on an OT to talk about the sensory issues and things you can do today. I mean, wouldn't that might be super helpful for you if you're in a position where getting therapy, you're in between therapy, or you haven't been able to secure an OT, or you don't even know what to look for. So I want to make sure that I'm serving all of you and everybody who's listening in the most positive and best way. So I say this because, and I say that here's my honesty, I'm always honest with my friends here. I plan to figure out the most efficient and least expensive, best equipment way to do better interviews, whether they are face to face, which I prefer. Or if they're going to be over maybe for the phone or over the Skype or whatever it happens to be to make sure that I bring you the best quality because it's really important to me that when I do these interviews that it doesn't sound like poor quality. I can't promise it every time but I can promise that I will do my best to make that happen. So as I start bringing in guests and bringing in more people, just know – just – just bear with us as we as we have some growing pains okay because we're working on it i promise i promise uh, and i just wanted to let you know that okay that being said when i was at the great therapy play date i was talking with one of the other parents there and she she was i was watching her son talk about all the shapes in the room and if you if we've taught i don't know if i've ever talked about Jackson's affinity for shapes and how he w- he watched this video, I think I did. He watched this video. We thought he was just sort of memorizing the video and then we realized that he was able to generalize these shapes into real life. So we we went into a, a store and John pulled out a dice. It was a 20-sided dice and Jackson knew it was an icosahedron with almost like instantly. Same thing with a, you know, dodecahedron and like all these different 3 3d prism shapes and things like that things I wouldn't even know and he knew them all and it w- and, and and sometimes like w- it's not like he looked at the number on the dice and was like oh that's a 12 sided dice that must be a dodecahedron. no he just knew and it was amazing and he does this commonly like I'll be like Jackson what shape is it cylinder so he knows and he just picks it up well this kid was doing that he was like that's a rectangular prism and I was like oh Oh, we, we need to talk. I need to talk to his mom. So I pulled her aside and I said, hey, how did you figure out that he was uh, like into the shapes? Like how did that come about for you? Because I'm always curious for people that have similar – like how that happened. And my immediate assumption was clearly this kid must be autistic because – I mean, that's my experience, which totally goes to show you bias and goes to show you, you know, I I needed to check myself because I just assumed that. And she said, well, he just seemed really interested. He was reading really early and he was writing really early. And so I jumped in and I said, oh, he's hyperlexic. He has hyperlexia. And she said, "Yes." So let me pause here really quick and say this is the very basic idea of hyperlexia. I don't know a lot about it. I know there's different levels of hyperlexia. I don't know what each one is. I'm not about to pretend like I do. There, I think there's levels one, two, and three, and each one is different. But hyperlexia on the global overall sense is a child that has affinity for numbers and letters early on and can like read and put letters together at an age that you wouldn't think they could. Uh, you see videos of these kids who, you know, at age two and three are taking their foam alphabet letters and writing words out, and it's it's amazing. Or even actually – able to read or able to write really early on. Uh, so they said they noticed that way early with him, but they also noticed all these behavioral things with him. And as she's talking, she's like, you know, we noticed the hand flapping and this, that, and the other, and all these other issues, but, and I'm expecting her to tell me where she got her diagnosis, because that's oftentimes where we go and, or when she got it, which is like, oh, at four, we got our diagnosis. She's like, but, but he hasn't been diagnosed and they won't diagnose him. And I said, you mean they won't diagnose him as autistic? And she said, right. And I said, oh. Like I was so shocked. And she said, yeah, he just doesn't quite – he's just not meeting all of the criteria that you need to be considered autistic. Which, you know, again, they do a test and that's what you do and that's how you get your diagnosis and that makes sense. But and I thought, oh my gosh. So you're getting no help as as far as insurance goes. You're getting no – you can't send him to ABA without paying completely out of pocket. And she said, exactly. I can't take him to OT. I can't take him to PT. I'm just not getting any help outside of what they will give us with an IEP at school. And even that's a fight for her. Now, I want to pause for a second because I want to explain something that I learned about autism diagnosis. So back in the day when they had the DSM for it, and the DSM is the basically the the medical book that mental health focuses on where you get all of your different diagnoses are written in there and all the criteria on how to diagnose those things etc it's called the dsm and the dsm-4 okay so now they have a dsm-5 but the dsm-4 segregated a lot of these neurological types of of behavioral uh, disorders my favorite word but you know such as autism they had asperger's was a separate category all these different ones were different separate categories of how they would define them when the dsm-5 came out they did a lot of umbrella-ing autism so what they did is they sort of like gathered up a lot of these different ones, Asperger's and you know whatever and they put them all under the umbrella of autism that umbrella okay so it looked like we had this huge spike and rise in in autism when truly that wasn't the case it really was just that we now define it differently. So the parameters were considered something different. So that being said, uh, there was, and that also brings up the idea that now that we have this more streamlined idea of how, of what autism is, and then therefore, how we then give supports often are the same. So I think what they, I'm speculating here, I certainly do not know people who worked on the DSM-5, and I'm probably deep down it's probably something having to do with money and insurance changing hands let's just be honest so that's that but also I think because the recommendations for a lot of these were the same as far as treatments or supports or therapies it probably was just easier to label it all under the same way because when you go to a developmental pediatrician or you go to a therapist or whatever they're doing the same supports whether you have a diagnosis that says you know big A for autism or you have a diagnosis for I'm assuming uh, Asperger's or PDDNOS nos or some of these other things th- the treatment looks the same as this is my opinion this is my assumption I don't actually have evidence of this so just the disclaimer to let you know that however here is the thing so we love ABA and we and ABA is Applied Behavioral Analysis Therapy there's a lot of people who don't. There's been a lot of controversy about a- ABA. I've talked about this before. Our son loves it. He begs to go. Our clinic, we really appreciate our clinic. We think that they are doing a very nice job as far as the BCBAs that he's had. We've been very lucky. They tend to really care about him and his team really loves him. And we do well. The, the therapists at the clinic love Jackson. So we've had a very positive experience. And Jackson loves being there and he loves getting help. And he's he is – improving. We see improvements because of the therapies we're giving him. Now, we're lucky because he, he took well to ABA, and ABA is covered by insurance. And here's the dirty part of this episode. When, because ABA is a scientific method, and because ABA is recognized by the insurance companies and you can get coverage for it a lot of places can charge a lot for an hourly rate of ABA and they do so what'll happen is when you're paying out of pocket maybe they're going to lower that to the lowest amount that they can do that's what happened to us for those three months in October, from October 2016 to December 2016 we paid out of pocket for the Maximum minimum amount of ABA that would actually help Jackson when we first started because we had uh, Medicaid insurance and it was not being covered anywhere for ABA, so we we could not get him help. So in order to we drained our savings, we paid fifteen grand and we for three months and we paid is the most that we possibly could for those three months to get him the help so that when January rolled around and we could buy a, an insurance off the marketplace that would you know, whatever that premium was, was certainly going to be less than 15 grand. We figured that would be worth it and we put uh, our, our efforts into getting him his own insurance. Again, super confusing, but the point is Jackson has an insurance with his name and that's it. Nobody else has that insurance in our family. He's on his own insurance policy and that policy covers him for ABA and all of his therapies. And without that, he wouldn't, if he were on my insurance, he would not be able to get He would not be able to go to this clinic. He would not be able to go to any of his therapy clinics that he goes to. We would be mm, possibly, you know, SOL because uh, a lot of them have so many, especially those with HMOs, have waiting lists up the wazoo, and they don't—they aren't even all around here because you can charge so much for ABA therapy. So it puts it—it really does put a sort of a damper on the whole situation because it starts to look like a cash cow. I don't think that's the point, but it is how they make their money. So. All of a sudden, you go okay. So no wonder all that everyone's push, pushing ABA because you can submit it through insurance. You can get the 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 ABA clinics get a huge per hour that they can charge because it's going submitting through insurance, and it's 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 a money making thing. So it kind of stinks, but at the same time, you just sort of like grin and bear it because you know that that's at least giving your kids some help. Now. When you have a child that is not diagnosed with autism and cannot be then submitted through the insurance like this child that I met at this – this experience at this event, I felt so upset for them because he clearly need, wanted, needed, could use those supports. He could use all of them, the PT, the OT, the, all of the stuff and I saw these lovely parents super harried because – They're watching their child who deserves the same supports as my kid's getting. He's clearly in the same boat. He's just, uh, what, one or two points out diagnosable for something that the insurance then deems worthy. And that's wrong. That's so freaking wrong. We are so, my child's autism diagnosis is actually a privilege. And that's crazy that that's the case. That, that everybody doesn't get the support that they need when you meet these kids and you see them and you're like no he clearly could use these supports it's just frustrating it just so happened this mom was also telling me that uh in the she's she's a she works in a district that's I would say very affluent and in that district everybody has an IEP or a 504 I think is what it is where everybody has you know Supports and help and whatever and you can get that but when you have a diagnosis of autism or a specific diagnosis that's doctor, you know, it's this particular thing and we can submit it through insurance, you get more support, you get more help through the school or you can petition for more help and more support through the school because you go, oh, boom, here, it actually says autism on this prescription pad that somebody handed me, you know, or on my report, it says autism. So I get more help and that stinks because it's quite possible that maybe this kid needs more help in this over mine, but maybe he won't get it. It just, it, it angered me to a, such a huge degree. Another mom that I was speaking to went to a highly respected doctor who does diagnoses and she spent an exorbitant amount of money out of pocket and they she ended up saying that her son was essentially on the cusp but not really and she did you know observations and things like that and looked you know in but you know in the end she didn't do any of the main testing that you do she didn't do an ADOS test if you want to know what that is you can look it up it's ADOS it's the test that a lot of times they form in order to determine uh uh, delays and and such, and she didn't perform that test. She just did observations and then made her her diagnostic based on that. Which you know, fine. Been in, I'm not gonna you know question her as a medical person. But what bothered me was when she two things. She said, "Well, I can say he's autistic, and then you can get the supports you need." And the mom was like, "Didn't know and had not done her research and didn't say yes. Let me you know." let me take this on so that I can get that even though deep down she was thinking well if I say yes then I'll get to submit this through insurance but she didn't want to be a liar and she wanted to be honest and if he doesn't have uh, autism then does she want to give him that you know does she want to take that from somebody else who you know was one of those she went through this grappling situation even though deep down she's like but my kid really needs the help so the other thing that this doctor did that blew my mind and made me so angry was she had asked the mom is this for you or is this for school and the mom said uh well it's for us because she wasn't thinking like oh I need this the kid was in a is, is in a program at school and it's fine and whatever and didn't understand the legal ramifications or like what she was asking and and nobody explained it to her because we're new and you know parents are brand new to this and they don't know and they don't know the questions to ask because we're thrust into this and you don't have time to do the research in, in advance you don't have the time to ask all the questions and find out the p- specific things you need to know so this poor mom said yeah it's for us and this doctor then does the, all of her whatever testing never writes up a report So when the mom brings into the school that this kid needs supports, they're like, well, where's the report? And she said, oh, I I didn't get one. I didn't know if I needed one. They're like, you know, you need a diagnostic report. So she goes back to this doctor and the doctor's like, oh, well, you said it was just for you. And she's like, what are you talking – oh, my gosh. So now she doesn't have a report. She never got one. She's now spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to this big deal doctor who diagnosed just by verbally – Like, what is that? That doesn't even make any sense to me. How can you do that? And how can you do that to a family who's clearly desperate for help? You know, it's, it just, it angers me so much. Well, the happy, happy ending, this is terrible. I'd be like, the happy ending is she went to another doctor who, who did take all of the real tests, do a real report, ran the ADOS and did come up with an autism diagnosis. So now her child will get the supports that he needs. But why? Why do we have to go through that? Why would you take advantage of a family like that? That's just terrible. And again, back to that other, the first child I was talking about, my heart was breaking because I could see these parents so want, they knew, they know he deserves more and he's not getting it and they're not rich so they can't afford to, you know, just shell out the money, you know, out of pocket because, you know, it, it just isn't out there. It just isn't there. It, we don't have savings anymore, John and I, because we've spent it all. You know, any money that Jackson used to have, we're paying all of that down using his money. You know, he, he got birthday money that was supposed to be for college or whatever. I mean, I hope to God Jackson gets to go to college, but you know what? If he does, I'm going to have to figure it out then because right now that money has to be used today to pay his premiums, to pay his out-of-pocket max. I have to be able to take care of him today because right now, as they tell you from the get-go, you've got to get it from – you've got to get them as early as you possibly get get it. You don't want to waste any time. So imagine this mom who took her child. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. Got the best doctor that she had heard was, you know, in the area. She took her kid. She shelled out all this money and then she doesn't even walk away. Not at whatever don't walk away with the diagnosis she doesn't even walk away with a report to, to, to be able to hand to anybody to say okay this is where we're at let's let's give them the supports that we have she lost a year because then she had to go on a wait list and wait to get into the other doctor to then finally get the right assessment I, I it it makes me so angry that we are in this position right now that that our that our children with special needs, are treated so second class. Now, granted, it doesn't help that we're under the, you know, administration that we're under right now. But even so, it's never been. It's never been. I mean, yes, is it getting better? Do we have things like Julia in Sesame Street and it's getting better? Absolutely. That is getting better. We are getting more representation. Representation matters. Representation matters. Representation matters. We have plays out there like uh, the 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 Curious uh, Case of the Dog in the Nighttime. Like, we we have – important things that are starting to come up we have shows like atypical we have shows uh that like parenthood that really showed you know the 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 earlier stuff because usually you'll see stuff with like adults or you know like the good doctor where it's more adults and whatnot but there they, there is more awareness coming about and that is amazing awareness is great but we need we need things to be happening now like we need there's a, oh gosh, there's a really cool cartoon that I saw that I I I, I, wish I I I wish I could find it. And maybe if I do, I can maybe somehow post it into the notes uh, uh, underneath here. But if not, just suffice it to say, there's a whole bunch of kids and there's a person in a wheelchair and there's steps. And the person in the wheelchair s- says to the person in charge, hey, you know, can you put out the ramp? And the person in charge says, well, let me get these other kids up the stairs and then I can lay the ramp out for you. And the person in the wheelchair says, well, but if you lay the ramp out, then we all can use it and nobody has to wait. Everybody can use a ramp, you know? And and the whole point behind that is, uh, yeah, hello? Like why – why wouldn't you why, – why is it thought secondarily? So th- – and that's the same with our kids like we're 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 thrown in a place where we have to advocate and we have to fight for them, but at the same time we're we also know that there's so much good that is coming out of awareness and as weird as it is is bizarre as this is to be like yeah autism has really rose it's rising and growing and whatever in a weird way it did kind of throw it into a little bit more of the mainstream which is great because I do think that that helps another person I read an article about which I thought was really awesome who's actually autistic and, and as an adult there's a lot of people that were going around getting really frustrated because Target came out with a weighted blanket series which was great except that a lot of neurotypical people were buying these weighted blankets. And therefore, those of us who were like, hey, I have a kid who would really use that because it's the most affordable one that's out there right now and seems pretty popular. They're always out of stock and we can't seem to get it. And we, John and I would joke about it every time we'd go to Target. We're like, well, there's no weighted blankets here for, for our child or whatever. And like, oh, all the neurotypical people had to, you know, because it's so trendy. But this autistic adult had me look at it in a different light. And it was like, I don't, I have no problem if everybody wants to buy a weighted blanket. Good, because it'll bring the cost down. More pe- I great, make it trendy because then more people are interested in using them. And then that makes it more accessible for all of us. And then more places are making them. And then it's not this cost prohibitive thing to go in and get it because it's now more regularly out there so we don't have to fight for the things that we need or have to you know do a GoFundMe to get a weighted vest or a weight you know because those things are now more regulated not even regulated but like regularly in your stores a great example of that is cat and jack uh, coming out with a sensory line in target uh, that's amazing because every kid can wear tagless clothes every kid can wear a sensory you know sensi- a sensory sensitive style of clothing but kids that have super you know hypersensitivity can't wear all clothing so now all of a sudden you've made it more open for everybody and then everybody can use it or everybody can use the ramp or roll up the ramp or however they have to do it you know what i'm saying and like so that piece of it i'm very grateful for because it is becoming more regularly out there and aware and in in our world and I think that's important I still submit that we are dropping the ball for the kids that are falling through the cracks and as grateful as I am that Jackson has had the privilege and I will use that word 100% the privilege of having an autism diagnosis I'm grateful for it because he's getting the help he needs because we wouldn't be able to help him more, as much as we do otherwise. We would be reliant on only the stuff he would get at school because we wouldn't be able to afford anything else. And thank goodness that we are able to help him more and maybe hit him early enough in the diagnosis to really try to help him, you know, navigate this world a little bit better and make it easier on him. However, he needs to regulate and become a part of this world or his world or however it works for him and let me just go back and say one thing about ABA and I'm sure I've said this before but I I always want to reiterate this if there's ever a day that Jackson wakes up and he says to us I don't want to go to ABA I don't like it I don't like how they treat me I you know in any way that that means you know that's not just like oh I'm cranky and I don't want to go today is it like we all do with school and whatnot but if he literally is getting to a point where we can see that it is negatively affecting him or something bad is going on there I will pull him out so fast and I will tell you all all about it because I do not believe in putting him through something that is not happy for him. He loves it right now. So we continue because I think it's actually beneficial for him. Look, even if he wasn't learning everything he's learning there and he's learning a lot, but even if he weren't, he's happy. And you know what? That's really my job is is to help him be happy. If he's happy, I'm happy. Then that's it. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it today. So yeah, be aware as you talk with your friends or you meet people or whatever, especially those that just just keep an eye out because you may have friends who don't have a diagnosis but clearly want some help or need that support. And just because they don't say my kid is autistic because they haven't been allowed to make that formal diagnosis doesn't mean that their kids don't also need supports and help. So be aware of that. Keep that in your mind and um, continue to be the awesome allies that you are. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I hope this helps. Thank you all so much for joining us on Acting Up with Allie Goodman. I just want to tell you how important it is that we continue to have these conversations. So please reach out and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Allie Real to Real. That's Allie, A-L-I-R-E-A-L-T-O-R-E-E-L. Please share this podcast with anyone you think might need it. And of course, the best way for people to find this podcast is if you leave a review. So please rate us and review us. I'm so thankful for all of you. This podcast only exists because you listen and continue to bring inclusion and love. So thank you. Okay, friends, just take it one day at a time, one minute at a time, sometimes one second at a time, and just hang in there. We are all in this together.